message this morning, Acts chapter 20. Go to Acts chapter 20. We're in part two of finishing well. Started it last week, but I want to talk about six things to do so that you finish well, so that you finish uh, your life, um, so that you don't look back with regret. Okay, Acts chapter 20. And when you find Acts chapter 20, we're going to actually read verse 17 to 24. Acts chapter 20. I'm going to read out loud verses 17 down to 24. And uh, <clears throat> we will uh, get into the message. Acts 20, verse 17. And from Miletus, a town in Turkey there, he sent unto Ephesus. It was a nearby city. And he called the elders of the church. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, Ye know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations, which befell me by the laying in wait of the Jews, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, say that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me, are waiting for me. But none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. And the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Let's pray. Father, we need you today. I need you. I need to uh, have your help, um, the filling of your Holy Spirit, so that I could be a help, an encouragement. Lord, uh, you, uh, you wrote this Bible to equip the saints. You gave us this to comfort and to um, uh, establish our faith and to... Um, uh, Get our feet uh, pointed in the right direction and that we just keep going that way. And uh, in this day and age where things change and things go up and down, uh, Lord, we're, we're uh, in need of some encouragement. We need some courage. And I pray that you would uh, give us that today through your word and by means of the spirit of God that can communicate to everyone all at the same time, everywhere, whether it's over the internet or in person. So I pray that you would work in every heart and that we would be doers of the word and not hearers only. And let somebody in the hearing of my voice, somebody watching this, um, uh, this message, that they would humble themselves, finally be honest with you and confess to you that they are lost without hope and without God and they would be born again by asking to save them. And Lord, the rest of us, I pray we would be faithful faithful all the way until we see you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. All right, uh, folks, aren't you glad it's almost the end of 2020? What a year, what a year. But I asked you last week, I said, how are we doing as Christians? Uh, how's your walk with the Lord? That's the question. How's your prayer life? Is it sporadic? Is it rare? Does it even exist? Uh, are you on track to finishing the reading your Bible all the way through this year? Are you on track with that? Or did you let it slip? Are you slowing down? Are you battling a lot of discouragement? Are you giving into sinful thoughts and habits and lusts? Are you even trying to hand out a gospel track or tell somebody your testimony of salvation? Hey, the darker the night, the more the need for light. I mean, it's getting dark. 
Uh, it's been that the world goes through cycles like this. And every time it got dark, Christians rose to the challenge, became brighter and brighter. Let's make sure we're doing that. Now, Paul gathered a group of church leaders from the church at Ephesus, from a, a, a little town, a, a port town called Miletus. He, he called for the Christians up at Ephesus. Actually, he called for the elders because there's too many Christians to get together. It would have, uh, it would have swamped him, so he called for all of the uh, elders to come and to meet with him. Now, these were the pastors, the elders. These were the preachers, the teachers. It included all of the workers in that church, the deacons, the office workers, the mature Christians. Not everybody who, who is a Christian is mature yet. All right. So Paul then takes the time to tell them what's happening in his life. And a life story goes a long way. A testimony can have a great effect. As a matter of fact, the Bible says your testimony can have more of an effect on an unbeliever than just preaching the gospel. And I preach the gospel. But the life of one Christian can affect more people than just words that somebody can say. They need to see a life. And so God left us here to be living epistles, living word of God. So Paul uh, tells them that he couldn't stay with them. Even though he loved those Christians, he treated they, they were his family. And But he said he was headed to Jerusalem. He was burdened for his own people. They were the Jew, Jewish people, by the way. He loved them. Don't you ever, ever, ever listen to anybody that bad mouths the Jewish people. Now, they may need rebuking. They're some of the most arrogant people on this planet. But Paul loved them and was willing to give his life for them. Uh, he was headed down to Jerusalem. And uh, he didn't know what was ahead of him. He just knew that he, uh, he didn't even know that God was going to take him from Jerusalem all the way up to Rome, and there he would die. He didn't know that yet. So everywhere he went along the way, Christians, as we read there, Christians were warning him, trying to stop him, trying to tell him, Paul, you're going to die. Paul, you're going into prisons. Paul, they're gonna, uh, you're headed for shipwrecks and stonings and persecutions like you've never seen. Yet Paul says that nothing was going to move him away from finishing the course that God had for him to run. Look back there in verse 24. Paul says, but none of these things move me. None of them stop me. None of them discourage me and get me to quit. None of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself. Not anymore. He said, something happened to where my life doesn't matter. That I might, so that I might finish my course. Paul says, I got a reason. I got a, I've got a dozen reasons for me to finish my course with joy in the ministry. His course wasn't just Christian life, his, his Christian life was ministry, which I have received the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. He basically is saying, I can't stop, I can't quit. I have to finish what I started the day I got saved. So why was he telling him all this? I mean, why is he taking all the time to talk about his testimony? It's because he wanted them to keep going. It's one thing for one Christian to have a good testimony. It's another where all Christians desire to have a good testimony all the way to the end. Uh, everybody's a great starter. Very few are good finishers. So let's see if I can do this, keep going. Sometimes. So how did Paul keep going? What enabled him to say, and I need you to go to 2 Timothy. <clears throat> we'll come back to Acts in a moment. But 2 Timothy, Paul, just before 
he dies in Rome, he writes the book of 2 Timothy. And look at what he says. He has no regrets. He doesn't look back with sadness and bitterness and grumpiness. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7, Paul is able to say, and what you and I need to yearn to be able to say is, I have fought a good fight. <clears throat> I didn't just sit back. Didn't just lay back and do nothing. I have finished my course. He didn't say, oh, I've got so much more to do. I'm sure he could have done more, but he said, I know I've done what I was supposed to do and I've kept the faith. I didn't, I didn't have it and then lose it and pick it up again and get right and then go bad. No, I kept the faith. So what enabled him to say that I finished well? <clears throat> there are six ingredients to, to finishing well, I find here, back here in Acts chapter 20. You want to go back there? I'm only going to talk about two this morning because they're rich. There's so much that I could just skip along and just give you some things, but it wouldn't be very deep. It wouldn't actually get you to think and it wouldn't bring conviction in your life. I'm not that kind of a preacher. I just don't tell you, well, this says this and this says that. Big deal. I want to know, what does it say to me? I looked at this and looked at this and said, Lord, what are you talking to me about? What are you trying to teach me? And I pray that it works on you. So two things. The first thing, first ingredient, once it comes up, is consistency. Develop a consistent Christian life. Go back there in Acts chapter 20 and verse 17 from Miletus. Paul sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church and watch what he tells them. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, ye know, you know full well from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons. Now, uh, uh, Paul was not bragging on his health because he didn't have any. <clears throat> he wasn't talking about his health, his wealth, because he had to work a, a job, maybe sometimes two jobs. He had to work while he was preaching and while he was doing the ministry. He wasn't talking about his popularity. As a matter of fact, uh, he pretty well was the most unpopular person in town. Uh, it was not his strength, and it wasn't even his resolve. You can make all the decisions you want in your life, and that's not what's going to change you. But consistency, these things, what I'm talking to you are never going to, you're going to have to wake up and realize these things are not easy. As a matter of fact, they go against the spirit of this age, which is constantly changing. Everything changes, and I mean in a bad way. <clears throat> this goes against the attitude of most Christians who want to just be left alone. But these six ingredients are available to every single believer. Listen to my voice, and they will keep us going. So consistency. Um, so let's talk about consistency here, once it works. Okay, have a consistent life. Paul had been with them in every season of their life. Now, it sounds weird to say this, be consistent. But it's very practical. It is the foundation for the rest of your life. Notice he says, I was, I was with you at all, I was with you at all seasons. That means when it was summer, when it was winter, when it was easy, and people loved the preaching of the Bible, they loved reading their Bible, they loved church, and they loved Paul. When the meeting houses were packed to the third floor, when the city theaters were filled to overflowing, that was when he was there. And he was there with them when it was hard. 
when people turned on Paul and hunted him down, rejected his preaching, hated the Bible. There were times where so few came out to hear Paul teach and preach, and yet Paul just kept teaching and preaching. He kept visiting people. He kept praying for them. Uh, he kept caring for them. He kept soul winning. He kept discipling. He kept going and going. He knew the value of being consistent in season, when it was in season, and when it was out of season. Why? Why would he do that? Because he wanted to finish well. That was so that I might finish. And that needs to be our, we can't just, listen, I want to go to heaven. I want to see Jesus. But I want to finish my life well as a Christian. That's what you and I need to have. Is that desire? Now, consistency, what does that mean? It was real simple. Consistency means staying at something until it's finished. Or as somebody once said, until the game is over. Not quitting until quitting time. It would be awful if you had several employees working for you in your small business and they kept going home an hour early every evening. That's not right. You quit when it's quitting time. And all the Christians that I see who are quitting thought it didn't matter how they lived. It didn't matter whether they just pulled out and they did their own thing. It matters, folks. We're, we're supposed to be consistent in season and when it's out of season. Uh, consistency means not constantly changing your mind and your circumstances. Now, some people love changing everything in their life, like they change their dress as often as they can. They change their clothes and their styles. Men and women are just so caught up with, I got to have new hair. I've got to have the new color of hair. I've got, I mean, um, uh, the, the new outfits. If there's one thing to be embarrassed of, it's how many clothes you have in your wardrobe. People, people love changing churches. They love changing their Bibles. Oh, I found a new Bible. It's the new this type of Bible. It's the new that version. They change everything, and this is the reality. They change everything but their heart. That's the, the, the age that we live in. And consistency means you don't constantly change your mind, your circumstances. You may be wrong about something, and it's right to change when you're wrong. But boy, constantly changing because you just feel like it? Dangerous, dangerous. Thankfully, I'm so glad God doesn't constantly change his mind like so many Christians do. Malachi 3.6 says this, For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. So Israel is still there, still a people. They're not, they're not saved, but they're still in God's plan because God doesn't change. Hebrews 13.8 says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. God doesn't change. Now, you don't have to be fast as a Christian or the smartest or the most popular as a Christian. You just have to be, once it comes up, you just have to uh, uh, be joyful, consistent, and steady. That's what God wants you to be. Why don't you, why don't you uh, uh, desire? Now, listen, being consistent does not mean being boring. I mean, having a consistency where you're content. You know, the first thing that, that John the Baptist asked people who were ready to get baptized, you know what he asked them? He said, I need you to be content with your wages. Man, that's a hard thing. But if we're constantly complaining and arguing, listen, Christians need to be a, have a consistent attitude of graciousness, of kindness, 
of being spirit-filled, of being joyful, consistent. We're gripers, murmurers, complainers. So we move on. Paul had simple, godly habits that were his manner of life. Things that he did every day. You know what he did every day? He worked hard. I find that Paul was trying to be like Jesus Christ. He just kept going and going and working and working. He was not lazy. And believe me, I, 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 with everybody being locked in their houses, especially teenagers and kids, there's laziness to set in. People aren't, they're not doing anything. Uh, Paul was a finisher. Most everyone, as I said a moment ago, most everyone's a good starter. Paul wanted to be, and he was, his character was, he was a finisher. And he loved God and worshiped him, whether he was in prison, whether he was sick, whether he was being uh, kicked out of a town, he worshiped and loved God. And, and it went back to when he was even unsaved. Before he was saved, he still loved God and worshiped God. And many of you, you grew up in a home where you loved God. You just didn't know him. And that's why I think fewer and fewer people are getting saved today. They've never worshiped anything besides themselves for most of their lives. So no wonder they won't, won't think about worshiping God. Have a consistent Christian life. Too many Christians are inconsistent in their lives. And let me be real plain. Paul says, I want you to know my manner of life from the first day when it was in season when it was out of season, you know my life, okay? And I want to point out here, hold on to your hats. Too many Christians, listen to my voice, are inconsistent in our lives for one reason. We were never forced to do anything. Most were never forced to do what they didn't want to do. Uh, they weren't forced to finish their food. They just, they, they, oh, don't make him eat. No, don't, don't, don't make him eat that. He doesn't like that. He only likes this. Well, listen, uh, that ruined now probably two or three generations of people in our modern world. Uh, never making somebody, listen, mom put all that time into fixing, sometimes dad putting all that time into fixing that meal. Nobody, nobody should be allowed to sit there and say, I'm not going to eat this. Uh, when I was a child, my parents taught me to finish eating my dinner. Now, uh, man, I, there are several meals I didn't like. <laughs> and there were things going on in my head. How am I going to get out of this? How am I going to hide this food? They're all kind of humorous thoughts now. But uh, the truth is this. My parents expected me to finish what they put on my plate. Uh, most most uh, children are not being forced to, to do their chores. You know, it'd be sad to say it's time to, to mow the grass, son. And he heads out there and he gets just 15 minutes worth done and then he stops. And he comes in, oh, I'm tired. Uh, you know, if you do not raise a finisher, that kid is doomed. I don't care if he or she gets saved. I don't, the, the character is broken if they are not finishers. And they need, listen, if you're not a finisher, you need to ask God for extra grace to get you to where you determine whatever I set out to do, I want to be like Paul. I want to finish. Uh, there are people who, my parents taught me that when I was sent to go clean my room, they did not expect me to quit until I finished cleaning it. I just shove it all under the bed, although I tried. Uh, too many young people have grown up never finishing anything in their lives. And so... Don't reward somebody simply because they participated. You want everybody to be excited about finishing, crossing that finish line and staying at it 
even though it's hard. Parents, let me be real plain. Your highest priority is to mold and shape your child's character. And you need to teach your children to work hard at everything. Take your Bible, go to Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Right after Psalms comes Proverbs, Song of Solomon, Ecclesiastes. Psalms, Proverbs, Song of Solomon, Ecclesiastes. I see Ecclesi Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. I got it out of order there. Then Song of, Song of Solomon. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 10. Ecclesiastes 9 and verse 10. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. Put your whole body into it. Put your back into it, we used to say. Proverbs 10, go back to the left. Find Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 4. Proverbs 10 and verse 4. He becometh poor. You want to you get poor? You want to live off of the government for the rest of your life? Then deal with a slack hand, a, a lazy hand, a hand that, oh, I'm tired. Oh, I can't do that. Oh, this ask it's just too much. He becometh poor that deal with a slack hand, but the hand of the diligent maketh rich. You want to have something at the end of your day? Work hard. So, and you get that from your parents. And parents, that's our responsibility to teach our children to work hard at everything they do. That doesn't sound very spiritual, Brother Ledbetter. Well, it's the most spiritual thing you can teach a child is to have character. So that when somebody does teach them about the work that Jesus went through to save them, they go, that was a lot of work. And I know the value of work. And I surrender to his perfection. You don't respect the effort it takes to save you until you know what effort really is. Work hard at everything. Second thing you need to teach your child, male or female, is to finish whatever they start. Uh, go to 1 Kings. Go back to the left. Find 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 6 and verse 14. 1 Kings 6, 14, a real short verse, but it is just the testimony of, of King Solomon. You know, there, there are a couple of things that Solomon's good at, right? Now, there's a lot of things he's bad at. He's, he's probably one of the dumbest people who ever lived. Even though he was wise, he was dumb. But there's one good thing he was good at, and that's found here in verse 14, 1 Kings 6, 14. It says this, so Solomon built the house, and look at the words, and finished it. Now, the house was the house of the Lord, the temple. It was a monumental task, seven years. He oversaw he wasn't going to quit until it was finished. Go to John, the Gospel of John. John chapter 4 and verse 34. John 4, 34. Jesus saith unto them, My meat, what sustains me, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me. I want to do the will of God and to finish his work. We have the testimony of Solomon. Now we have the testimony of Jesus being finishers. Luke chapter 14. Go back a few pages. The gospel of Luke chapter 14 and verse 28. And the picture here I've got is of a house. You want to buy it? <laughs> Do you know there's something wrong with this house? Can you figure it out? Well, Jesus tells a, a story of a man who sat down and wanted to build a house. And look at what it says there in Luke chapter 14 
And verse 28, for which of you intending to build a tower? I picked a house or the tower because you and I don't build towers. But say we want to build a tower. Sit it not down first and, and counteth the cost. What is going to cost to build it? Whether he have sufficient to finish it. Lest haply after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, this man begin to build and was not able to finish. You know, it doesn't matter whether it's a tower or a house building or a family or a business or a church or a ministry or anything. Maybe you're going to sit down, you're going to build a model ship. Finish it. Say, well, I don't like it now. You know, having that attitude will ruin the rest of your life. You say, that attitude doesn't matter. It does. It is a foundational character trait that God uses to make finishers. If you want to finish well, start to, start to decide and start to work at finishing everything. You start something, it may take you the rest of your life, but you're going to finish it. Third thing you need to teach your children is to obey you without complaining. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm worried. I'm worried about kids who will never obey God because they never learn to obey anybody but their own wants and their own flesh and their own lusts. You want to raise that kind of a demon? Do you not worry about the generations growing up? Oh, they may, they may show you lip service. They may act like, oh, yes, mommy, oh, yes, daddy. But if you don't see them learning clear, humble, sweet obedience whew, to get them to obey God, it'll take a miracle. And I'm glad for miracles, but we're not seeing it because we're missing the real emphasis in the home. In the home, it's the TV, it's the internet that's training them. It's the school. I and children's church teachers cannot teach your children what they need to know. You've got to do it. Number four, one more point. It's your job to teach them to love and know God and do what he says. Somebody says, well, I would never force my child to go to church. Really? Are you kidding? You force them to go to school. Now, I can, I can understand why some people wouldn't force their kids to go to a dead Bible-rejecting museum of a church. But if you have a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church, well, when Sunday comes around, you need to get them out of, church, out of bed and get them to church. That's your job. You say, well, they don't feel like it. If you let them go by their feelings, they will never finish their Christian life well, even if they ever get saved. Let's see if this will go. So now this is this is, gets bigger and bigger, folks. Let me show you something. If, if, you, um, uh, if you don't take these responsibilities seriously, you're going to miss some things because when you teach them those four things, It'll be so that when your children grow up, they become finishers of bigger things, like finishing your marriage, staying till death do your part. How about staying with your family? Too many guys just walk out. They just uh, they just leave, and they don't they don't want to be there. They're not in love. They're not they, 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 their their love is with themselves. Their love is with their dreams. Uh, uh, you know it is. Marriage is a lifelong endeavor, isn't it? So is your family. Your, your kids can walk away from you, ladies and gentlemen, but don't you ever walk away from them. The prodigal father never slammed the door on the son. The son knew he could come home because the father never stopped praying for him, never wrote him off. 
Uh, you and your family should stick together through thin and thin, thick and thin. And then another thing that's really important uh, of finishing is I'm getting to the, the main, main point here. You want to raise finishers so they stay married till they finish life, till death till they part, uh, uh, stay together as family. You want to, you want to, if they, whatever they do, including church, so they stay passionate on fire. You remember when you first got saved, how excited you were? And if you're not now, you need to get that back. You need to stay consistent. Hey, the truth is this, uh, uh, getting into the ministry ought to be something that you stay at. You know, it, it's, uh, I was saved 40 years ago. It wasn't too long after that. My testimony is God called me to preach and I'm still doing it. And I aim to, as much as if my voice lasts, if my health enables me, I will stay through it all the way to the end. I'm not gonna quit. Not until Jesus says it's time to come home. But there's the point, all right? Here's the statement. We expect athletes, we expect Olympians, we expect sports stars to force themselves to do hard things and to do it and do it and do it and not quit. Why do we think we Christians can, can uh, uh, get the easy path? Say, well, I'm saved, that's all that matters. That's not all that matters. That's what is the beginning of your Christian life. But don't you want to finish well? We're not talking about losing your salvation. We're just talking about losing your way and, and getting off course and getting wrapped up in, in all of the, the affairs of this life. And you're not, you're not staying true all the way to the end. You ought to be more excited now living for God than you were when you got saved because you know more and you see more things happening like, woo, we're getting close. You shouldn't be cool, uh, cooling off. So no matter what it takes, no matter what you have to give up, become consistent in how you live as a Christian. Have, force yourself to have right habits, right things that you do every day, like reading your Bible every day. Even when you're at work, but you're at school during the break, like praying with a prayer list every morning instead of complaining and fighting. How about soul winning every day? How about, you know, there are some people in our church who have the, the, the life purpose of handing out a gospel tract to somebody every day. How about force yourself to have the right habit of getting to church early back when we're back together again? How about having the, the, the goal of serving your family instead of always being served? Uh, you ought to be the one that gets up and takes care of things instead of always expecting it being done by other people. Uh, how about how about just being in consistent, being a consistent uh, lover in the home? You just just say I love you. How about saying um, uh, I'm going to be a blessing to that person every day? Being consistent. How about memorizing and meditating on Scripture every day? Make yourself memorize the Word of God. You want to give get clean, get the Word of God in you. You want to live sane, memorize and meditate on the Word of God. Walk humbly. Dial down your pride constantly. Every day, dial it down, dial it down, and never lie. I mean, I'm just giving you some things where every day you have the habit of, I'm going to tell the truth. I never would ever consider telling a lie. That's Christian. That's not impossible. Now, I said, first of all, Paul points out his consistency of life. He said, once this thing works, Maybe. Hmm. Consistency. But the second thing is ministry. Ministry. 
Acts chapter 20, back to Acts chapter 20 and verse 19. Acts chapter 20 and verse 19. Serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of Jews of the Jews. Let me just talk about serving the Lord. Jump down to verse 24 because he uses that serving and he uses a different word to let you know. Bigger, bigger concept here. Verse 24, none of these things move me. Neither count on my life dear to myself so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry. So I want to talk to you about having that ministry for the Lord. Do a ministry. You want to finish well? Well, you got to get into the into the ministry. You got to get busy doing something. Don't think the ministry is only for special people. No, you are saved to serve. Um, sometimes this works, sometimes it doesn't. Have something to do for God. Paul didn't have just a job or a family or a house payment or a car. Paul had a gospel ministry. It's called serving the Lord, even though you'll be serving people. See, Paul gave his time, his talents, his life, and his best to people. He served the, the needs of so many people. But he saw everything he did as personally serving Jesus. Jesus said this in Matthew 20. 540, he said, inasmuch as you have done it unto the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. So Paul realized, okay, Jesus said, if I do it to the least of somebody, if I do it to the most insignificant person, I'm doing it unto Jesus. Let me ask you a question. If Jesus lived in your house, how would you treat him? If Jesus lived in your house, how would you treat him? I bet you'd say, I treat him the best. I, I, would, I would make sure that, um, uh, that uh, he was preeminent. He got all of the attention. I would, I would give him anything he asked for. Okay, okay. That's how you're supposed to treat everyone in your house. Jesus said, when you treat other people like you treat, would treat me, that's a good thing. That's the right thing. You know, that employer of yours, as mean and cruel as he or she may be, is supposed to be talked to respectfully and, re and obeyed like they are Jesus Christ. Go to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 22. Colossians 3, 22. Go be reading down to verse 34. Colossians 3, 22. Servants. Obey in all things your masters according to the flesh. Those are your employers. Those are the people that own your time from the time you go to work and the time you come home. Not with eye service, not just while they're watching, as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, not fearing them, but fearing God. Verse 23, and whatsoever you do, do it heartily, with all your heart, with all your life, as to the Lord. So when you show up early for work, it's as if you're working for Jesus. And your boss says, why are you here early? You don't have to tell them, but they ought to see that you're honoring them better than they deserve. Do it as the Lord and not unto men. You're not doing it just for them. Verse 24, knowing that of the Lord, you shall receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve not man, but you serve the Lord Christ. That husband of yours, 
is to be treated as if he is Jesus in your home. That's what the Bible says. You're in Colossians. Go back a few pages to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. I went too far. Ephesians chapter 5 in verse 22. Bible says, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. It does not stop there. It says, submit as unto the Lord. You know, many a home would be saved if our attitude towards one another, now it works where verse 21, submit yourselves one to another, amen. But submitting to the other person, honoring the other person like they are the Lord. When you've done on the least of people, when you've served people who are the most undeserving, you've done it under Jesus. Make sure you're doing it well because Jesus feels your grumpiness and your 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 words and the way you treat people. Do a ministry. You got to understand. What am I saying? I'm saying that you and I. I'm not standing up here. These are things for me. But you and I have to see that I need to be doing, serving, ministering. If I want to finish well, if I don't, if I don't get busy doing something for God, I will finish miserably. I'll finish my Christian life, and I'm going to point out a verse here. I'll be ashamed of it for the rest of eternity. Um, uh, that wife of yours is to be loved and treated as if you, as if she was Jesus Christ in your home. You know, when I get to heaven, I will fall at his feet. I will worship him. I will praise him. I will give him all of my attention. And do I do that to my wife? Do I do that to my children? Do I do that to anybody? Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Hmm. Ministry means servant work. That's what it means. Hard work that is, uh, I got words for you, is taken advantage of. People are going to abuse you. That's okay. You're a servant. You're not the boss. You're not the one that's in charge. So go ahead and let people take advantage of you. Um, but it is the greatest work. I'll show you another verse. I need you to go to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20. Gospel of Matthew chapter 20 and verse 25. Matthew 20, 25. Matthew 20, 25. But Jesus called them unto him. And said, you know that the princes of the Gentiles, they exercise dominion over all the Gentiles. And they that are great exercise authority upon them. Yeah, Gentiles love having layers and layers and layers of power and dominion and authority. Verse 26, but it shall not be so among you. He's talking to Christians. But whosoever will be great, you want to be great? Among you, let him be your minister. There's that word. Verse 27, and whosoever will be chief among you, whosoever wants to be Tishak, let him be your servant, even as the Son of Man, speaking of himself, Jesus saying, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, there's that word, and to give his life a ransom for so many. Question, do you have a gospel ministry? Do you have a ministry that you're involved in? Now, you know I'm involved in ministry. You know there are other people in our church that are involved in various ministries. Well, goody. But that's not the question. Are you involved in a ministry? Is there anything that you help with? 
You say, well, I can't do this. But is there anything that you regularly, faithfully, consistently do just for Jesus Christ? Is there anything that God ever put on your heart? Maybe it was helping out with 12 Weeks to Freedom. Maybe it's helping out with, with going soul with. Maybe it is helping out setting up church. You know, there's plenty of things to do. I'll talk about it in just a moment. But if there's anything that God ever laid on your heart, then do it. You say it wasn't very good. God doesn't use good people. He uses available people. He uses things that are at hand. It doesn't matter how old or how young you are. I find that there are many excusers and many refusers, but very few doers of the ministry. The fact is, without something that you do just for Jesus, your Christian life is just going to fade and die away. That's why, that's why if you're a teenager, if you don't get busy serving God, you're going to go to college, you're going to get married, and you're going to peter out, you're going to fade out, you're going to quit on God. Guaranteed. It just happens. It happens because you're not doing anything. So find something. Move this thing forward. Find something to do just for Jesus' sake. There's plenty to do. How about helping out with puppets? You know, the kids would love is about once a month if uh, somebody came in and taught a, a brief Bible lesson from the puppets. You know, Bible clubs, we love the puppets. Youth camp, fantastic. We Listen, if, if God could use you and a crazy voice and using your hand motions to, to mimic your mouth, God could use you, it could affect and, 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 and influence so many lives. How about helping out with children, children's church teaching, soul winning, preaching, help out and buy. When we get next year, when we get Bible club going again, I'll need your help. Youth camp, ladies meetings. How about the building maintenance? I've got some great guys who are so amazing with what they've been able to do with our building. You could help. You could help. There are loads of things. There are loads of plans. There are loads of ways we do things very inexpensively because we have volunteers. Will you be a volunteer? How about picking up people for church when we have our meetings again? How about just make yourself available? Pastor, I live on the north side of the city. You need me to pick up anybody on Sunday. I'll pick them up. That is a ministry. Now, believe me, don't offer and then two weeks later change your mind. Find a place of service where you do something for others all because you love Jesus. Um, let me just try to wrap this up. Make sure you keep doing it until the day you leave this planet. Acts 20, 24, Paul says this, and I'll finish with this. I got two verses to give you and I'm done. Verse 24 says, so that I might finish the ministry which I've received the Lord Jesus. I want to finish the ministry. Don't start and then quit. Get to doing something and say, well, this one I'm not good at. Well, then work another ministry, but never stop serving the Lord by serving people. Because Paul knew that if you stay busy, this is a key. This is not what the world says. This is what the Bible says. If you stay busy serving the Lord, you will finish well. So that I might finish, Paul said. Otherwise, you're going to be, and here's our last verse. You're going to be ashamed one day when Jesus comes back. Go to 1 John chapter 2. All the way to the end, just before Revelation, find 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2 in verse 28. 
And now, little children, this is the Apostle John writing to the Christians. And he's talking to them like children, okay? You don't, you don't like being talked down to. No, it's an affectionate way of talking. It's a family way of talking. He being the elder, talking to people who needed to grow up. And he said, and now, little children, abide in him. There's that consistency. Just stay in him. Stay with him. Stay close to him. When he, that, when he shall appear, and it could be today, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. How do you want, how do you want the Lord to find you? If the rapture had occurred today and you're watching something on YouTube or you're, you're in a bitter, angry fight or you're uh, uh, just in some sin, is that how you want Jesus Christ to find you? That will look at what it says. God doesn't want you ashamed at his coming, but there are going to be plenty of people who are going to be weeping in heaven and crying out saying, I am so ashamed of how, how flippantly and how wrongly I took my Christian life seriously. More next week. I'm going to show you some more next week. I'm going to give you, and I call it Paul's secret weapons against quitting. It is, all right? Learning, learning these things are actually the way to, to stay faithful, the way to, to finish well. So I got four more things to say, and we'll pick that up next week. But I may just finish up with these questions here. Number one, how's your 2020 been? It's been all over the place, up and down, sometimes excited, sometimes totally depressed and wanting to give up. Have you started and stopped a lot? How is your church attendance? You know, attending church is a good barometer of, hmm, am I staying faithful? Reading your Bible through every year is a good way to know I'm backslidden if you're not finishing. I hope you want 2020. One of these ways, this thing's going to work. I hope you want 2020 to be a better year. Sorry, 2021 to be a better year for God. Let's finish 2020 well. Okay, we got two months to get things fixed so that come New Year's, we can finish, we can finish this year well, and we can be faithful and consistent so we finish our life well as Christians. How do we do that? It was called serving the Lord. Let me say the first it's called it first involves being consistent in how you live as a Christian. You say, Well, I was raised very um, uh, passively. I was raised without any character. Well, okay, okay, you're gonna have the harder job of trying to get consistent. But by the grace of God, you can do it by, by just surrendering to the fullness of the Spirit of God, by repenting an awful lot of your laziness. God will build that character in you, and you'll be able to be consistent in your Christian life. That's how you're going to finish 2020 and even finish your life well. Secondly, you're going to need to become, I'm sorry, you're going to need to do a ministry. Have something for God where you serve the Lord, even though you're serving people. Uh, find you a gospel ministry to be involved in. E even right now, you say, well, how can we do that? I phone me, text me. I'll find something for you to do. You could you could do me a favor and I could give you a list of names and you could contact them and says, you know, I'm praying for you. And I just want to say hi, keep you encouraged that you know um, uh, God's going to bring us back together. Just a phone caller. You could do any number of things. Just, just contact me. Maybe you've got an idea. 
let me know what you think. Do a ministry and then keep doing it until you finish it the day we leave this planet. Every Christian listening to me today needs to repent of our inconsistencies and our laziness and all our excuses that keep us from serving the Lord. Do you hear me? We need to repent. We need to look at our life and go, oops, I'm a lazy Christian. How about you? Hey friend, have you even started the Christian life? Was there a day where you realized Christ died for you, but you neglected to do anything about it? You put them off, you keep putting them off. Well, if you die without being born again, God will put you off and it won't be his fault. He wants to save you. He didn't want anybody to go to hell. He's not willing that he should perish. He'd like for you to humble yourself right now, to bow your head and cry out to him and ask him to save your soul. You say, well, I want God to fix my, my, my health. I want God to fix my finances. That's not what he does. He died to save your soul. Will you let him save? If he fixes your soul, nothing else will compare. As a matter of fact, all those other things will come into place just fine, just fine. You may never be rich, but you'll be taken care of. Would you think for a minute, have you ever been born again? You can bow your head right now and ask Jesus to save you. Would you do that? I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna ask you to pray too. I want you to, uh, to, to confess to God, you're a sinner. You're not confessing to me. You're not confessing to a priest. You're confessing to God, I am a sinner. I'm a wicked, worthless, hell-bound sinner, and I don't wanna go to hell. I wanna be saved. I wanna, I wanna be a Christian. I, my wife deserves a Christian husband. My kids deserve a Christian dad. My husband deserves a Christian wife. My parents deserve a Christian son or daughter. I've never been any good for anybody. But from this day forward, Jesus, if you'll save me, I'll try to be like you so I can be a blessing. I can be a help so I can serve you. I want to do something that matters. Father, in, in this finishing time, God, as we finish up this service, We've had um, some very practical things brought up, hard things. They're not easy. Lord, we want, we want the easy way, but we've been doing that all our lives. It's, a, it's time for us to, to be good finishers, time for us to change, be transformed in the, in, into the image, into the likeness of Jesus. And Jesus was a finisher. Paul was a finisher. Solomon was a finisher. Anybody that ever, ever... Um, uh, was happy in, in, in their Christian life and in their believing life, they were determined to try to finish what they started. And Lord, I'm glad that you finished what you started in me. Philippians 1, 6 says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you, in me, shall perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Lord, you're gonna keep at it until that day that I see you. Lord, I'm glad you're gonna be the finisher of my life, but I want to be the finisher in my life of the will of God. We gotta take it as, as for what it's worth, that it's the most important thing, it's more important in life is to be a finisher. Lord, if, 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 uh, if nobody ever got into the race, if nobody got saved, Lord, today, it'd be a, a, the worst tragedy ever. Right now, right now, may somebody get born again and get into the Christian life and never look back, never slow down. It, this world has never seen yet what you can do, God, with somebody who's just totally yielded to you, totally passionately on fire, serving you, giving their life for Jesus.
May that somebody be in the hearing of my voice today. In Jesus' name, amen.